Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Deceptively Fast Podcast. Today I'll be chatting with my friend Drew Hodgson. I know I've only put one episode out per week these last couple weeks. As you will soon learn... I have a reason for that, um, and uh, we've, we've been much more regular over these past couple months, and that should continue on into 2021. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe or leave a five-star review on iTunes. You can do both, too. And follow Drew on Twitter at Drew Hodgden. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Seth C. Payne, and enjoy the show. Listening to your episodes like almost all the way through, almost universally, which is rare. Like, the, like over ninety percent of the people are listening all the way through on um, on a podcast episode. So don't don't overthink it. Sometimes it feels stupid um, or like we're not talking about anything at all. But that's actually what people enjoy. Well, I I appreciate you calling that ten percent of failure to my attention. So I'm going to do <laughs> everything I can, Seth, to to bring more energy, to bring more. <laughs> More organization to this, so I'm just um, gonna. Well, but also, I'm gonna go sit in the dark and just it's, drink. It's uh, it's been no. I'm telling you honestly, like if if you have over ninety percent of the people living listening all the way through, that's really rare. So um, so that's good. And uh, it, nice. and also the only reason that I've actually done one consistently over the last two weeks has been because you're you're a much more mature and responsible person than me. Because uh, what I what I'll disclose <laughs> right now that I hadn't done on air. We actually talked about whether I should talk about this on air or not on my radio show, and we decided not to. But I, I had the COVID, um, without going into too many details, I had the COVID uh, these last couple of weeks and I was working from home. And uh, a part of it was I didn't want to make light of it like while I had it. I was afraid I was afraid that I would make light of my experience and in doing so kind of minimize or just undersell the the seriousness of the issue which i have a tendency to do so i i wanted to wait until i got through the clear and, and my wife and um and child got all the way through the clear so it looks like it looks like we're through the clear i went out in public today and um and frankly it felt kind of like the first time like when you can first legally purchase alcohol and you and you're doing it and you feel like you're getting away with something that you shouldn't be doing <laughs> that's how i felt right. i was standing as a store clerk behind my mask i was like oh you don't even know <laughs> did you to offset it to yeah. offset it you were just putting candy bars in your pockets 
just to walk out like, yeah. no it's fine no really i am doing something wrong it's there fine. Were like, yeah there were people like standing less than six feet away from me in line and i was just like i don't know like should i tell them should i tell them like I, like uh, the cdc says i'm clear but i don't feel like i should be out here right um, so i had the covid and uh it it was actually it was kind of bad <laughs> i thought i was gonna get away so my wife came down with symptoms a little bit before i did um and i thought it was gonna be no big deal but it ended up and i talked to you about it i think it felt a little bit like mono must feel like i felt really really run down i didn't feel i didn't feel as bad in terms of the classic flu symptoms that you might have so any of that stuff whether fever or nausea or body aches or anything like that i didn't quite feel those same symptoms but i just felt like a complete lack of energy for like 10 days and i was right. it was all i could do to to do my radio show from home and then just kind of sit around like a slug for the rest of the day that's what's been so weird about it too is that it, and we talked about this a little bit before is that there aren't these clearly defined symptoms outside of the ones that everyone already knows about that are just in the media. Like if you don't lose your sense of taste or smell or have an obvious, I might have pneumonia type experience, yeah. then you don't really know. And that's, that's how I felt too several months ago when, uh, you know, I'm almost certain now at this point that my brother and, and my sister-in-law had it and, you know, I was exposed to them and I felt like right around the same time, it was the same. It was like mono. I just had no energy. I was in bed all day and I just chalked it up to just crippling depression. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> but maybe, you know, maybe there's more to this. There is a pandemic going on. So the, uh, yeah. did you, did you get the, I guess you haven't gotten the antibody test yet. You might want to. I haven't that. gotten the antibody test. Yeah. You should get it just to get documentation. I feel like we're headed towards having biological passports or something in the next six months and that it might behoove you to. To, if you want to go to a yeah. event or something to, like, yeah, that's a good point. I have a vaccine or antibodies. Yeah, I, well, I've, I'm always up for anyway to you know bring metrics to the biological side of things. I think it would just you know be great. I always try to do that. Just chalk it up to give me my my BMI, everything else. Yeah, like yeah. I'll, like on one passport. The um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Gattaca was Gattaca the movie with Ethan Hawke. Yes. They had everything yeah. all documented all the time. Yeah. Underrated yeah. movie. Uma Thurman. Do you find yourself at all during this pandemic? Like I, I, I personally don't give a damn about like feeling like my personal freedoms are being impinged upon or anything. I, and I worry sometimes, wait, wait, am I, am I a little too sheepish? Am I a little too accepting of a big brother coming in and telling me to do stuff? Because I hear people complaining about losing their freedom by way of wearing a mask and like, it doesn't, it doesn't move my needle one single bit. There's not a, there's no. not a part of me. Like, honestly, I feel like, dude, if I had to like, uh, like show a picture of my scrotum to anybody to help get everybody through the pandemic a little bit faster, I'd say, cool, whatever. Yeah. That, I, I gladly relinquish my right to privacy for this brief. Same. Moment. Yeah. That, that does not register with me one bit. It's, it's all seems a little overly reactionary to me i think we, that ship has kind of sailed like once you realize you're accepting cookies for every single website you go to like i yeah. think we're we're the, yeah we're good i don't know yeah i read uh i read in some article once it was like right before facebook had their huge breach a couple of years ago it was some some tech guy writing about how well privacy can nobody cares about the privacy concerns anymore everybody's just uh signed off on that and then all of a sudden we had like a big in your face moment of oh yeah yeah you're really screwed in terms of your privacy oh yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know um so anyway 
for me, I, I tried to figure it like, okay, if I were an athlete, what would it be like coming back from this? Because sometimes you worry, you wonder if some of these guys, when they're coming back from the COVID vaccine or from the COVID list, if how they're going to respond to it. You know, Cam, Cam was kind of out of it for a couple weeks and it looked like he was coming back and looking more like his old self. And then you realized, oh, okay, but he's also just not that good anymore. So it's impossible to tell what was COVID and what was not. If I were to go out today and practice on a football field, I think I'd be pretty miserable. Like, I think it would take me, I would take me, even though I think I, like, I'd be cleared to practice and everything. I think I'd feel kind of run down and, and not quite myself. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. What was I like, think you, you sent me that article of like the effects on college kids. What is that? Is that mostly, I didn't read the article, Drew. Is it, um, <laughs> is it mostly myocarditis? Is that what they're concerned about? The Yeah, exactly. The heart? Yeah. 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 I think the big takeaway is, um, yeah, it, it doesn't really ever seem to have a problem except when it does. And yeah. uh, so just keep that in mind that it'll never be a problem except when it is for you. Well, you know, and I'm like, well, I can't do a whole lot with this information. I was thinking about that because I started doing I started doing my my cycling like about I took three days off and then just started going really, really light. Just try to get some kind of exercise. Peloton. Was, yeah. Yeah. But like not not doing the classes or anything. But yeah. I, I there was like one part of my brain where I thought about the myocarditis and thought, all right, is this something I'd actually have to be concerned about? Because it happens when people get the flu anyway the the swelling of the heart there you just never they don't test for it in normal right. conditions where now they're testing for it and they're going to find a certain number of athletes get this this myocarditis afterwards yep so i i just i guess it's one of those things where I, I, what's the baseline yeah if you want like be, yeah, yeah. If you want to be super careful about it you could go screen for it but i don't know if i even want to know it's not like i'm it's not like i'm out there trying to break personal records or anything on my little bicycle it, well, and that's how it's been for a lot of this stuff. Like when I see all the stats around the percentage of hospital beds in each individual city that, are, and I'm sure it just seems through context that it's probably a big deal, but I also have no idea how many are normally taken up like on any given flu season at all. Right. So it's like, I just have no bar to compare oh. it to for all these things. Well, that, you know what, that's what I wonder too, is now that we're testing so much and you're starting to get a sense for how many, you know, how many people can get this and not have any symptoms. Like, what's it like in a normal flu season? Right. Do people, because the flu, I never realized until all this either that the normal flu test is pretty sporadic because of all the different strains of the flu that you can, you can have the flu, but test negative for the flu. So yeah, like how often do we get a flu virus, but we're also asymptomatic for it? it And the efficacy of the flu vaccine too. Yeah is for some of them are only 10 or 20%. Right, because which of the is, strains. You know, why, and... why bother at that point? But right. That's where, but that's where we're so ignorant when it comes to actually, like, caring about the whole instead of – like, we think of everything as the individual. Like, well, okay, it's only going to give me a 20% protection. Yeah, but if everybody gets 20% protection, then you reduce and minimize the chances of everybody else spreading it. I'm talking about right. the flu vaccine now, not the, uh, the, the COVID vaccine, which is 95%. No, you're an anti-vaxxer. I think that's clear. I think we've all, that's the big no, takeaway. Well, no, the takeaway though, <laughs> since going back to the mask stuff is compared to some of these Asian societies, especially we're almost like, we almost have a mental block in terms of actually being able to think about the collective compared right. to thinking about our individual freedoms. That, right. Like that's so foreign to still a lot of people 
when they resist wearing a mask, they when you hear them make the arguments, it's still based on like, well, this is an inconvenience to me or this is an assault on right. my freedoms or I don't worry about if I get it. Like, yeah, but if you get it and you pass it on to somebody else, all that. Um, it's that charming, rugged individualism that, yeah, that we all come here for. The, the yeah. rugged individualism that I thought was, yeah, which is awesome. But it also is there's a there's a certain amount of selfishness to the American ethos that I guess I didn't I didn't quite recognize or understand. And like going through everything, I would say over the past like four years or so, I've really realized that that a lot of people that I assumed just would have been more um, uh, uh, altruistic, I suppose, or more community minded. It's actually the exact opposite. Like they're really all about like, I got to get mine. Screw you. Yeah. Well, and it's that feeling of not for me anyway, it's like where you're not quite understanding the the rationale there when you think, you know, well, this will be better for you, too. If we all just do this, it's a pretty self selfish move to just if you just wear the mask and if we all do, then this will just be over and it's going to be good for you, too. Yeah. Like, why even why? It's such a minor inconvenience. I mean, it's not like you're wearing it in, in your house. I mean, we're all inside most of the time anyway. Who cares? It's uh, the Chronicle, Houston Chronicle had an article the other day that said that one in seven people in Houston have now had it uh, based on antibody testing that they did more like randomized antibody testing, uh, I suppose. And it, there's a there's a division along racial lines, um, right? That white people, it's like one in 20. Um, I want to say Hispanics, it's more it's closer to, to one in five. Um so for for whatever you know, and and then some of this comes down to socioeconomic stuff of like who's who's able to work from home, right. who has to work in in who are in professions that expose them more likely yeah, to it than yeah, not. Yeah. yeah, but that's where did uh, did that seem high or low to you, or did that sound right? That sounded about right because I remember early on I was figuring, you know, when everybody thought they had it, you know, back yep. like in like late April when everybody thought they'd had it. And right. I, the Major League Baseball study came out. And it showed that only like fewer than 2% of major league baseball personnel had had it. And that those are people that travel quite a bit. And, yeah. and, and you realize, Oh, wow. We're probably not that extensive at all. Um, so I don't know. I like at some point, you know, five, 10, 15 years from now, we'll actually have some perspective on all this and figure out how we could have done it differently. And right. then, you know, 50 60 70 years from now we'll have forgotten all of it and we'll just we'll relive the whole thing yeah we'll be on like COVID 37 by then yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) has COVID affected your your sports viewing at all nfl ratings are down five to ten percent and for a variety of different reasons you could talk about whether it's um you know there's the election there's some people that have objections to social justice initiatives there's just the flat out competition from baseball and basketball to a level that we haven't seen before there's the erratic nature of the scheduling where right marquee games like the Steelers all of a sudden are being played on a Wednesday afternoon or the quality of the product and the teams not performing like they usually do and then dipping and yeah, yeah totally have you watched less football I I started out watching a lot less initially because it just felt so unimportant, I think, relative to other things. And I think it was weird. My media viewing habits, it's you would I thought that it would have gone way up. I thought that I would have just been glued to the screen because I was so anxious for a sense of normalcy. And then I think when I started watching it, it actually became so clear how abnormal it was. And then I realized I was just chasing 
it just was not going to be normal. It was the disconnect was watching the game that the optics, everything was normal as, as it always is. And then as soon as they zoom out and you see no one in the stands, yeah, but all the cheering was still happening. Yeah. It just felt too Orwellian. And I had to like check out from it. It was too weird. No, I, it was, on, the, on the Thursday night game last night with the Raiders, they were playing like a jet engine. Like a like it sounded like a jet airplane <laughs> taking off and landing continually. And yeah, that for some reason that was the moment in the pandemic where it was just all too much for me. And right. I was like, what the hell is going on here? That that felt like some kind of science fiction movie. Like, yeah. why why is this the noise they're choosing? And you're right. I was kind of cool with everything at first and I liked the fake crowd noise. The longer we go with it, the weirder and weirder it gets to me. When I think about these guys, I just try to put myself in the player's position where they've right. gone through an entire season now where it's like a it's like a Saturday morning scrimmage. The environment in which they're playing the game usually, uh, you know, except when there's 10 to 20,000 fans in the stands. But in a lot of these games, it's just like a it's like a scrimmage. It's got it's so it's weird. actually so have you found that when when you do see them making big plays and they are celebrating and their reaction does look pretty genuine how excited they are to have yeah. made a play like that. I'm always stunned that it's even that enthusiastic. Like I feel uh, like in that scenario I actually wouldn't really be that bought in to that to feel, that moment. I always wondered if you'd feel kind of naked, right? Yes. Like, the audio is so clear. And that's what's so weird. The Seeing the checks, I sent you that video of Deshaun Watson making a check in the game last week. And they're not, like, the quarterbacks aren't even yelling. You know, no. can you imagine? Like, the, it sounded like Nick Martin, the center, and Deshaun Watson, the quarterback, were just having a casual conversation. Like, they're in a film room, didn't it? Yeah. Like, they yeah. were just having a casual conversation. Yeah, which would be so bizarre. I mean, so so much of it is I, I I give them credit for how they must be adjusting to. They're professionals. I mean, clearly, they, yeah. it's never has it been more on full display. But at the same time, um, it has to drain some kind of the the energy, right? For like the excitement for. I mean, I, people would say, and I'm I know you probably got this all the time, where they say, um, "God, I can't imagine what it must be like to have the crowd just going crazy and just." Yeah. And I don't know about you, but it was there were maybe only a handful of times where I actually took notice of, of all that going on around because you just have to be so dialed into what's going on. Otherwise you're guaranteed to make a mistake. I always, um, the goal line stands were always the coolest part. That was where the noise really mattered. Cause I like as a defensive player, right. Especially at home when you're on a goal line stand that just, like I always felt like you absorbed energy from the crowd by osmosis. It was really cool. And then you add in the confusion factor, because it's so loud there in the end zone and the yep. opposing team is just, they, they are having such a hard time getting their audibles and checks made um, that that part was always really, really cool. I always really appreciated that part of it. Well, especially on defense. Cause you have the yeah. benefit, you have the benefit of both being a Neanderthal. We don't really have to think <laughs> yeah. or do anything other than just like look at lines on paper, but also you know, you're trying to disrupt the offense. Yeah, but that's but that's the other part about being at home on defense is you can't hear the linebackers make their checks and like change oh, yeah. the blitz or their direction. It gets really confusing. As a defensive lineman, especially you're blind. You really can't see what motion is going on a lot of times. So they'll be making a they'll be changing a call and and you just flat out are are clueless about it. So what, what what about the cadence and other things right now with the lack of crowd noise and getting people off sides? Do you yeah. think it's more effective now? I bet it's more effective. 
it seems like it. It seems like they're vibe. It seems like I've seen more games with multiple. Yeah. By the defense. But I it also does. wonder, like I'm watching that Raiders game and Derek Carr checked to a run. And I can't remember what it was, but it was some kind of East, you know? So like, yep. like all right, I, if they know yeah. your live calls, it's a lot easier for the defensive play. So for, for the listeners, usually if it's East, that means you're going to the right. If it's West, they're going to the left, which I've always actually been kind of impressed by because I figure like out of 11 football players, there's usually at least one on the team that struggles a little bit like so, <laughs> like east west is east west is kind of an abstract notion you know <laughs> well it's even the dyslexia comes into play where yeah, i have to flip yeah. it like i'm in a mirror you know yeah. i'm like look half these guys they struggle just on the normal right and left but if we just you know oh the worst football coach i ever had was backwards in, worst football coach i ever had was in high school and he came in and his whole system was Instead of the holes being two, four, six, eight on the right and one, three, five, seven on the left, right? He, he numbered the holes from right to left one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So, like off tackle, that was like the one hole, <laughs> or off tight end was like the one hole. And so, and so again, so for anybody listening, usually the on the offense, I think in every other system yeah, I've ever been, every in, system, the offense, the yeah. holes, like the, the where you might run between the center and the guard is the two between the guard and the tackles, the four, those are, and then on the left, it's the odd numbers. Um, this guy not only changed it to like the sequential one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. He went from right to left. So everything about it was counterintuitive. <laughs> we, oh, we were so bad. He got Brutal. fired for uh, flirt, flirting with a cheerleading coach, I think. <laughs> on, a, on a completely un uh, n- numerical related. Yeah. So I thought of you the other day when I heard Tom Cruise going off on his production staff on his movie. Um, I don't know if you heard that. Did you hear Tom Cruise just flipping the hell out on, I did. on people yeah. for violating COVID protocol? And it just reminded me so much of it reminded me so much of being on a football team. But like I always thought on a football team, man, if somebody ever tried this in real life, there's no way in hell I'd be working for this person. But I guess it still does happen, right? Like there are still old school places where where the boss gets everybody together and screams at him and yells at him and, and tells them that they're, they're no good trash. And I think, I don't think I would put up with it. And I know, <laughs> I know that you have worked in the real world for a long time now. And I know you have at least one instance where you like flat out didn't put up with it. Like in the, in the normal corporate professional yeah, working yeah. world. Yeah. That's just not, that's not really gonna didn't you, did you, didn't you threaten like physically threaten a boss of yours once or do you not want to talk about that yeah i i'm trying to decide right now in the moment if i want to throw myself under the bus or not i think i can because it's kind of irrelevant i mean when i time ago it's not it was it's a long time ago history that you're ever going to go back into you yeah know? and who knows i mean the world's a volatile place maybe he's dead who knows um, <laughs> he's no you know at some point this guy who you he was a manager so, of yours that just like he thought he was vince lombardi right he he was he, well he definitely there there were a lot of <laughs> there were a few factors at play there was the natural energy of he was um short yeah he was a short guy so there was like this napoleon complex i think at play going on and it was also really kind of my first post football job and so he had the like disdain of having to work with me directly who was still you know by normal standards like normal human standards i'm like twice his size mm-hmm. you know whereas in football standards i was the one with the napoleon complex 
Uh-huh. Yeah, you were. But, uh, you always felt like you were the little guy. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. And so he was a solid, you know, nine inches shorter than I was, and 150 pounds lighter, right? And so he always felt like he had to compensate anyway. Uh-huh. And we just were oil and water like right out of the gate. And then I remember one day he had just said something to me, and he was just berating me, and it was kind of, you know, the, it's funny when you're so used to enduring that from a football standpoint where you actually people don't realize you have a pretty high threshold as a football player for just the amount of abuse you're willing oh, yeah. to take yeah yeah Real it just become, it becomes normal like that's normal. You if you're right. a good team player you sit there like a little beta and uh just let, let and take it shit all yeah. over you yeah exactly yeah. yeah but then when but you realize it's kind of one of those like it's 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 the same thing when you're on a losing team and they lose the locker room now that's over that's all gone <laughs> yeah. you just are not going to take that anymore it's kind of like the the mutiny has begun and, uh, the, and like the you know we're going to take over the ship at any moment and we we're sitting there and that was kind of the i had had the end of it and and he had just told me he's like yeah and you're going to be there at 5 30 whether you like it or not and i told him on the phone and i was like well you know what i will be there and i'll see you in the parking lot and maybe we can just take care of this and it kind of just slipped out so fast because you can tell like once the wheels are turning it's it's just whatever i already decided i'm going to say is just going to come out and it's going to come out pretty clean but i just hadn't fully articulated how quickly i could get arrested and so he was like oh okay okay and i was like yeah See you tomorrow. <laughs> you threatened your boss. <laughs> <laughs> so I get, yeah, this is, this is my boss. And so then I remember clear as day, I get a phone call from kind of like the corporate office number. And I knew, and it was at like 4.30 in the morning. And I was like, yeah. awesome, I'm getting fired. Yeah. I'm getting fired yeah. right now. And it was, the, it was our branch manager. And he goes, uh, he's like, hey, buddy. And I was like, oh, hey, what's going on? And he's like, uh, hey, you know, I know you got stuff going on this morning. Hey, can you come into the office maybe like now? And I was like, sure. You know, and I'm like, I'm not, even, I'm not even gonna shower. I'm not even gonna bother. Like, who cares? I don't need to shave. I'm just gonna yeah. come in. And I go and I said, he goes, yeah. Why don't you just, you know, shut the door, have a seat. I'm like, okay, <laughs> sit down. I'm like, this is great. I don't even. It was one of those things too where you just feel so empowered. Like uh-huh. I'm gonna go in there. It was like office space. Like I don't even care. Yeah, like, I'm just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were like you felt genuinely free in that moment. Like you weren't worried com- about the consequences. Yeah. yeah, I was like, look, this is a win-win. Like I, uh, either way, he's gonna let me go, and that's fine. And in the other scenario, I'm gonna get to beat up this guy, and so that's great too. So you know, like, was we'll there have a, was there lose. a part of you that thought that like maybe they'd set it up? Like there. <laughs> <laughs> totally yeah there's unmarked vehicles there's like a flower van like with 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 no windows you like into yeah. a basement like fight club <laughs> bare brick walls and you're totally. ready to go yeah oh that would have been great yeah and, and, and he goes uh he's like look i, I just gotta tell you um i just can't have you beating up your your co-workers it's not we can't do that here and i get it and i was like yeah i get it and i'm waiting for him to tell me and he goes that's really it. I mean, I just, you know, you're fine. You're not fired or anything. I just, from now on, just don't threaten the other, the other guys. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, but we've all wanted to every single one of us, <laughs> that guy specifically, that guy specifically, yeah. He's like, we all yeah. have, you're not the first guy. You're not the last guy. Yeah. It happens to all of us. And I was like, that's, this is really it. And he's like, oh yeah, no, you're fine. Yeah. Go, go on. <laughs> well, that, was like, that okay. company you were working for, like they kind of they hire hyper competitive people, right? Like, 100%. So it, it's yeah. almost like it's, it, yeah. it sounds like from the people that I know that have worked at that company, it sounds like the way the Seahawks 
are like their their culture yeah. is just hyper competitiveness. So because of it, you get like you get guys guys that have been in the Seahawks right. locker room say there's confrontation. Like there's going to be confrontation because you've got, they specifically are looking for guys that will fight and scratch and claw, like whatever they got to do to win. Oh, so, completely. so yeah. you're in this. So in that environment, you probably like, there was always, I was always surprised coaches like Tom Coughlin or Bill Parcells um, and guys who are like extreme disciplinarians, they actually had a pretty high tolerance for guys going off on them. Because they kind of felt like, yeah, well, I create a high pressure environment. And I also want guys that are super competitive. And right. every now and then they might flip out, but they don't, it wasn't like the end of the world if you did. Like I, I snapped on Tom Coughlin once. I, I <laughs> you know, it just, which I could see. Yeah. They kind of like they tweak you the wrong way. And they're, I think in their minds, they're kind of happy when it happens because they feel like, yeah, I'm getting to them. Like these guys are, these guys got, they've got some juice, they've got some energy. Yeah. Mission accomplished. I pulled it out of them. Look at how good I am at coaching. Yeah. yeah. Did you feel like Houston, Houston felt not at all that way for no, you? No, it, it right? felt really, yeah, it felt really tame. Um, it, some of that was just the changing times. Cause guys, when, when I was in Jacksonville, um, Marcus Stroud was a first round draft pick and he got in a fight with Mark Banowitz once who is this huge huge polish kid out of syracuse he was like a road he was a he was like you would have thought he was like a meathead caveman but he was actually a road scholar and um but he was and like also like like a six foot seven specimen just like v taper back <laughs> right. and everything um so he and marcus stroud who was a big physical freak himself got into a fight one day in practice marcus stroud's rookie year and stroud broke his hand on banowitz's face and I remember everybody saying like, oh, wow, wow, what an idiot Stroud is. I can't believe he punched somebody with, a, with his helmet on. Like, no, he got, he got Banowitz's helmet off and broke his hand on Banowitz's face. And Banowitz didn't even like bleed from it because he was that much of a physical specimen too. And after that, Coughlin himself got like cracked down on fighting. They were always super, they were always kind of cool with it before and almost right. encouraged it like old school NFL. But after that, he cracked down on it and and capers i think was kind of the same way because of a couple incidents like that he he had it strictly banned and then the culture was just just kind of that after that and i don't yeah with kubiak i don't know if i don't know if kubiak if it had always been like that but i know going back to like bill walsh's days um with the 49ers kubiak coached for bill walsh i know they were very anti-fighting and they actually they you know i know that because yeah. Jerry Rice told us a story at the Super Bowl one year about how they had an equipment shed that, that like there were strict anti-hazing and no fighting rules in San Francisco, but they had a spot behind the equipment shed where they would actually go to fight when they had to have <laughs> stuff out. <laughs> wow, so they yeah. were like super old school, like behind the like out by the flagpole type stuff. Yeah, that sounds like code though, almost. Like, <laughs> like, like, no, just go behind the shed, guys. It's fine. Yeah, whatever you're doing back there is fine. Yeah, we're fighting. We're totally fighting. Yeah, didn't you did you uh you and mark sherman didn't always get along right when he was your position coach no we didn't no no we didn't yeah did you ever snap on him i kind of did yeah it was funny my my this is what i learned this is the, the and the most dis either the healthiest or most dysfunctional way to handle all your aggression and i haven't figured out what it is is i it comes out in um and i've definitely figured out how I, 
I've taken inventory of how I manage this professionally now too, is I have all these different mechanisms because you, you can't, as I learned and mentioned already, you can't just go around beating up your coworkers. Yeah. So instead I have like these other passive aggressive, sarcastic ways that I like manage it. And um, like one of those was Sherman for sure is I just, I, tr- I think I trained him to realize how sarcastic I was. And so he had just been like, I, I had already been watching other guys around me who I felt like were playing terrible. And I'm just like having to watch them every day. So I'm like stewing on the inside, just like already boiling. And I'm just like listening to this guy, just like berate me for no reason. Uh And uh, he had just, he had already just kind of badgered me relentlessly that day. And I was just not having it. And he's explaining, you know, this is how you do it. I told you Hodgson, this is how you do it. And I think he also would say my name wrong too, which would just like drive me insane. Yeah. And, uh, and so I turned and I just told him, uh, I screamed at him. I was like, you're not the boss of me. (laughs) And everyone was just so stunned by it. But I just kind of put on this face like I was clearly joking. Yeah. Yeah. And there was like that moment of what's going to happen now. Yeah. And then it's a a dumb enough. You got to wait. It's a dumb enough thing to say. Absolutely. It's just such a toddler thing to say. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. There's no way that like. Uh, and I've seen coaches in that moment before where they got to make the decision of like, all right, wait a second. Am I going to be a hard ass here? Or I'm going to laugh this off. So yeah. he, like, you can see him doing the calculations in their head and he decided to just laugh. And I think he decided too that he actually genuinely thought it was pretty hilarious. Yeah. And so he just started laughing and I had never seen him laugh either. It's kind of like, it's like when you see like, you've always known like a cop in your neighborhood and then you suddenly see them out of uniform it's just like startling and so seeing him actually laugh was one of the weirdest moments ever and yeah it just like thankfully diffused it but yeah no i would would love to push him down the stairs if i had the chance if i saw mike sherman wearing like a pair of dad jeans with a polo shirt with a shirt tucked in just walking through the grocery store (laughs) exactly it weird me out a little bit right yeah it's uh, it's it's weird it's not right i want to see oh seeing a head coach in a grocery store to me would like actually doing his shopping. That would be way weirder than seeing my teacher in a grocery store. I don't, I still think of the way when you're a kid and you think of your teachers as not being normal, real people, head coaches are way like that. Oh yeah. I know, I know some of them must go to the grocery store every now and then. Right. Like even I just can't envision it. It feels, it feels super strange to me. Yeah. Like do they ever not wear the polo or the khakis or, and it's not as much that way now where you see guys like wearing sweats and yeah, doing wearing like the thing, bike but... shorts, the, uh, the bike brand shorts. <laughs> yes, hey, exactly. I got to run. I got to pick up my wife's medication before the post office closes. I apologize. Listen, 90% uh, listen through is a really, really good number. Don't beat yourself up over that 10%. You don't, <laughs> you don't want that 10%. Okay. I'm sick of you with your self-defeating <laughs> behaviors and attitudes. We'll talk. We'll we'll reconvene. This is not self defeating. This is this is this is how you get better. No, it's not. It's how you go slowly insane. Yeah, and, and and end up miserable. Uh, hey, we had a we had a question on the show tonight. We're today this morning. Let me ask you this. You just stew on this for a little bit, and I want you to have an answer for me the next time we come back. Is a billionaire who can who commits suicide a successful person? Good day. Oh my God, I hate you. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 